welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Well, good morning. Let me, uh, let me be the first to wish you a happy new year. You are telling time by using the church calendar, yes? You know that this is the first Sunday of Advent? Happy New Year. This is when things kick off for us. This is when we start again to recalibrate. And I love the, the church calendar. I didn't grow up with it as a kid, but since uh, I've become aware of it, this is really wobbly. Um, there we go. Now you're off center. Could everybody just slide that way slightly? Um, but since I've become aware of it, it's really been precious to me because I don't know about you, but I get distracted by the ordinary every day and I get... Uh, kind of same old, same old fever, you know what I mean? And it just kind of goes without me noticing what's actually happening and much less what it means. And so I like these regular recalibration moments. And Advent especially is four weeks uh, that, that invites us to stop and slow down, kind of a speed bump before we r- rush headway, headlong through the... Christmas season and invite us to to slow down enough to pay attention to what's actually happening and what it actually means. Advent is a reminder of the two comings of Jesus, the first one that we celebrate with incarnation, with Christmas, uh, but also the second coming of Jesus. That is to say, we are reminded every Advent season, these four weeks, that um, uh, we, we live in between times and that we are built for the tension of those in-between moments that we need to kind of keep our head lifted up and not get into the deep weeds of the moment by moment uh, uh, and with, with distraction, but to attend to the larger narrative, the larger story that God is telling and to pay attention then uh, to, to the wonder of each moment in the light of the fact that Christ has come and is, as we sung this morning, already reigning as Lord as a result of his first coming, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his seating on the throne is already an accomplished reality. And now we live in the tension between that first coming and the second coming of Christ, where he will uh, uh, come as, as ruler of the universe, which he already is, but he will be revealed maybe uh, as, as ruler of the universe, and uh, we shall share in his glory and his triumph. Um, the key question is, how do we enter into that tension? How do we remind ourselves regularly of that reality that we live between times? Because we live in a world that thinks, in some ways, that things will just gradually, incrementally get better and better and better until utopia comes. The text of scripture tells us that, brothers and sisters, is just not going to be how it's going to go down. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. Which begs the question, why then, when we have trouble, do we look around like, well, I didn't see that coming. It's because we don't pay close enough attention to when Jesus says, in the world, you're going to have trouble. 
things are going to go sideways. You should be ready for it. And that's partly to remind you that you're not home yet. That no matter how comfortable we get, no matter how um, our wealth buffers us from the reality, there is still in our heart this pull, you feel it? A longing for home. And Advent invites us to take that seriously, to pay attention to it. And you might not be surprised uh, that regularly, in the United States at least, Thanksgiving and Advent are juxtaposed. We end up our Thanksgiving celebrations Thursday, right? And then Advent typically is the first Sunday after uh, that Thanksgiving celebration. And I, I, I think uh, that, that I'm just going to take advantage of that because I believe that one of the ways, one of the most effective ways of entering into the reality of Advent is through the on-ramp of Thanksgiving. Uh, through the on-ramp that says, whatever happens to me, I'm going to offer it up with thanks. Uh, we do have resources uh, for you if you're interested in following along in this four-week cycle of readings and reflections on both the Garden app and on the website. You can feel free to use that. We've got stuff for kids. It's, it's a great resource uh, for you to use there. Um, but in this moment, what difference does Thanksgiving really make? And so I'm going to look at an old story, uh, and uh, I'm uh, looking at a number of texts this morning just to underline this, this connection a little bit with you. So follow along with me. Uh, you're familiar with this. Uh, in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified there. This is the travel narrative section of Luke. He traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Oh, by the way, he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, weren't all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. Wow. You want to take the moments, the everyday of your life, and have it contribute to your being made whole? The easiest way to do that is to follow the example of our Samaritan brother, and return everything to God, offering it up with thanksgiving. It's the easiest way. The beauty of thanksgiving, as you know if you have small children, is you don't even have to mean it to start. 
Just say the words. I know you don't mean it. Just say the words. Grandma will be so happy. Right? Of course, as your mouth speaks, your heart starts to follow, and that's the beauty of it. It's an on-ramp. It, 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 it's, it's not all, but it sure is a good place to start, and it will perpetuate throughout eternity. You will be saying thank you well into your 11 billionth year in eternity. So Thanksgiving is a way to start, right? And, and it, the story is a very simple one. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to be executed. He's on part of this travel narrative. He's on the border between the Galilee to the north and Samaria to the south. Samaritans, as you recall, are, 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 are thems. They are not even necessarily regarded by many of the Jewish people at this time as human. They are half-breeds, if you will, uh, and, and, and are treated that way. They are, they are to be in conversational contact with a Samaritan is to render you ceremonially unclean for worship at temple. And Jesus, I love this little tidbit, is right on the border between Jerusalem, Galilee and Samaria. Jesus is, is dancing with feet in both worlds. And, 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 and we are not told the makeup of this group. Apparently, when you have leprosy, that renders you unable to tell the difference between us and them. There is a common brokenness that unites this group of men. And they are supposed to maintain distance. They are supposed to, when they see a, a crowd of people coming, declare themselves to be unclean, giving those people enough warning that they can stay far enough away that they don't, they don't, re- now, of course, we recognize the, especially in our culture, right, uh, uh, of the contagion that can exert, uh, exist, the leprosy can spread, it, can, it is very, very relatively contagious, it's so ins- you, you get the social and the, the, the physical health issues that are attendant here. But what happens when you, when you take what is physically uh, appropriate in terms of health, and now you overlay it with a veneer of spirituality, a veneer of religion, in which now the sick people become the problem who are treated as unclean and the distancing, you, you get the picture. And I love Jesus. So he has this, these guys have this, some of them at least apparently have this double whammy. They're Samaritans, not human, and they have leprosy. I mean, I wouldn't ask that guy to like bet on anything for you. He's two strikes already. You got the picture? And they see Jesus. Apparently they've heard enough of him over the last year or so of his ministry to recognize that he could potentially help them, and so they cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And like he does, he just says, go show yourself. He doesn't, he doesn't touch them, doesn't speak healing over them. He just, he just says, go show yourself to the priest. Remember, Jesus has told us in Matthew that he has not come to, to relegate the law into uselessness. He has come to fulfill it. And the, and the test of having been cured of leprosy is, is validated by showing yourself to a priest on a couple of successive weeks so that they can discover that the, 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 the um, contagion, the, the illness is gone. 
So he is telling them, do what is right by the law. And it is as they are going, as they are obedient, as they step into the reality of faith for healing, that they are healed. They don't get healed and then go. You got the picture. They begin to go and discover on the way that they are healed. This is paradigmatic, is it not? You will discover things about Jesus and yourself on the way of obedience that you will never find waiting around to be healed. It's critical for us that we orient our hearts towards Jesus. If we are going to call him Lord, he doesn't give advice. Go show yourself. Do the thing of obedience, right? And along the way, you discover a lot of the things that were broken get rightened as you obey. Because a lot of the stuff of our brokenness, this isn't directly related to the text, but a lot of our stuff of our brokenness is simply because we haven't been living in alignment with the reality of Jesus as Lord. That passage that Amanda read from Exodus chapter 33, 34 He's the Lord who, who, who blesses thousands of generations, but two or three generations are going to feel what happens when they get sideways to that blessing. That river of blessing is going to flow. The canoe of their will is sideways to the river. They're going to get pushed around by the goodness of God. They're going to experience the goodness of God as oppositional to their chosen life. Curse is the language we will use to describe that. So, so, so there, there's an outcome to that. And, and Jesus is simply get back in alignment, repent, reorient your life in the light of the reality that has now been spoken over you. Does that make sense? So that as they do that, they are healed. And then one of them notices that he's healed. And instead of following through with the final, or perhaps Luke doesn't tell us much, maybe he's gone to the priest, shown himself, and then turns around and tries to find Jesus again, where when he does, he gives thanks to God. Oh, wait. He has an awareness of something having happened that is not about him. He has a revelation of who Jesus is as a result of his obedience on the way. You want to know Jesus better? You want your prayer more, Lord, to be answered? Do what he tells you to do. Don't wait around for him to prove himself to you. He has. Create openness in your heart by obedience and you will, you will receive your own life, but you will receive a revelation of who he is in deeper and more profound ways as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, 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 and especially for those of us who are in varying phases of deconstruction, the reconstruction begins not with understanding, but with obedience. Do what you know to do, and things will find their place in the trajectory of faithfulness.
Yeah? So as he goes along, he discovers he's healed, he turns, and he, he gives thanks, and something happens as a result of that revelation. He stands, do you catch it, in a new reality, your faith. Faith is not believing things, fingers crossed. Faith is standing in a certain kind of reality and living out of the truth of that. What's the reality he stands in? He doesn't know how he got there, but he somehow recognizes that what Jesus did comes from God. And so he throws himself. The Greek word here indicates that he is worshiping Jesus. So he gets who Jesus is. He's standing in the reality, faith, of who Jesus is. And the outcome? Nine guys are healed. One guy's made whole. And the difference? Thanksgiving and standing in the faith of who Jesus is. Your faith has saved you, is the word that's used. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has taken you from simply having been healed to now being made whole. Now being made whole. Thanksgiving is an on-ramp to an understanding of who Jesus is. Thanksgiving is an on-ramp to an understanding of who you are could be in him. Thanksgiving is a way to take the stuff of your life and offer it up for God to use in the making of you whole. You do realize that the goal of your life is not a million before 35. The goal of your life is that you become fully yourself. Or like Jesus. Same thing. The more yourself you are, the more like Jesus you will become. He was a perfect human being. Right now, all of us are at various stages of inhuman. You can tell it in our treatment of one another. It's not difficult to describe what we do to one another as inhuman. Fortunately, for people like me, there are a few folks who are more inhuman than I am. So I can feel good about my minuscule inhumanity. How stupid is that? You know, it's like as long as there's a Hitler, I'm good. You know, and where we got our short list of people who are inhuman so that I can feel okay about my degree of inhumanity. Folks, you still missed... It's not like grenades. Close enough is good enough. To be in, to be, here's Paul. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Anybody want to guess what the glory of God is? According to Genesis chapter 1, it's humanity. That's how God is glorified. That's how God is seen. That's what glory means. It's the manifestation of God. So when, when, when God is glorified, God is visible, God is seen, God is known, God is revealed. So when we have fallen short of the glory of God, what have we fallen short of? The revealing of God in the being of who we are. He wants to restore you. He wants you to become fully yourself, fully human again. Because then he can trust you with, by, by the way, that's not the end of the game. 
that just gets us to zero. Because now he wants to train us towards usefulness in the kingdom to come. So, so the invitation, you see why Thanksgiving is so important. We can start, we can step into a reality with Thanksgiving that begins us on a trajectory towards becoming human again. We can step into a, a trajectory of, of humanity that moves us towards being useful for the kingdom to come. We pray, Lord, your kingdom come here as it is in the heavens. And he's saying, no, let's start here. I want my kingdom to come here so that you can partner with me in the answering of your own prayer. And so Paul gets a hold of this and says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will concerning you. All circumstances, not necessarily, but giving thanks in all circumstances, most certainly. You notice what he's saying. You don't have to, you don't have to give thanks for everything, not yet, not until he gets to Ephesians. Thessalonians early letters, early days, just give thanks in all circumstances. Because this, the giving of thanks, is God's will concerning you. Remember the obedience thing? As you step into a trajectory, a path marked by obedience, anybody unclear on what he's asking you to do this morning? Give thanks in all circumstances. Anybody unclear? This is going to be on the final exam. Anybody unclear on what he's asking you to do this morning? hard, isn't it? Because we can give thanks for good stuff. We can give thanks when all is well. But my guess is some of you are in positions and circumstances and situations where all does not feel well at all. Where that first advent feels like a failed promise. Incarnation has not been actualized in your current moment. You feel alone. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How do you reactivate an awareness of God's presence with you in all circumstances? Because he is. We're not aware of it. But he is. Paul says the way you reactivate an awareness of God's presence with you in all circumstances is take the on-ramp to faith called thanksgiving. Offer everything up with thanksgiving. Here he goes again in Ephesians. Uh, uh, Sing, make melody. This is 519. Make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Oh, Paul, that's that's going too far. Can I remind you that Paul is in prison when he writes this? He knows something about hard times as an occasion for thanksgiving. Now, you might not be able to do this with all your heart. That's okay. Just start like a four-year-old. Just start. Just start. And the re- here's, here's why. Here's the magic behind this, if I can. When you don't offer up whatever horrible thing is happening to you with thanksgiving, it remains in your hands, and now it's up to you to make sense of it. Now it's up to you to redeem it. I don't know about you, but I'm, I suck at that. 
Uh, it just rots in my hands with resentment and bitterness and anger and why meeting. Anybody else, you know, but when I offer that up, who knows what he might be able to do with the wonder of my disappointment offered up with thanksgiving? Who, know, who, who knows what it might look like to let go of my justified resentment and place it in his hand to see what he would do with that? Do, do you see what he's up to here? So in everything and for everything, give thanks in the name of our, oh, that's the trick. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You catch it? In the character of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the reality of our Lord. So we stand in the reality of Jesus as Lord. Now we are training our muscles to act and co-react with him in a muscle memory of orientation. You notice how often Jesus just gave thanks? Follow it along in the text of scripture in the gospels and you'll discover thanksgiving was a regular part of Jesus's conversation with the father. Yeah, he offered it up and we are now being trained into the name, into the character of Jesus in a similar way. It becomes part of the playlist of our souls, a rhythm track, if you will of grateful awareness. Now, you notice what's happening here. When we stop denying what's happening to us, because that's how I usually handle things that are disappointing and difficult, I medicate or I get distracted. I don't dig into it. I don't lean into it. When I choose instead to lean into it and grab a hold of the part of it that I can and start to offer that up when I'm not hiding from it, that becomes an opportunity. That becomes an opportunity to become human, a a rhythm track of grateful awareness, a way of realignment to the character and the way of Jesus. Here's, here's, Here's Paul again in Colossians chapter three. Whatever you do then, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you're going through, whatever hardship comes, offer it up with thanksgiving. Now, how does this, how does this work? How does this, how does this in Jesus' name orientation work? I'm going to take you back over to Romans chapter 5 for just a few minutes. Where Paul says, verse 1, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that has, that, that broken relationship has been reestablished. And now through him, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So we boast in the hope of the glory of God. It would be lovely had he just stopped right there but he didn't. So not only this, but we also glory in our sufferings. What? Glory, remember that word? 
we, we reveal God not just in the positive things that happen that are occasions for hope, but we glory, we look for the fingerprints, we listen for the heartbeat, we feel the tears of God in our sufferings, and we glory in them too. Oh, Paul, you don't know what you're talking about, bro. She ghosted me, bro. You don't know the pink slip I got. You don't know the diagnosis I got. You don't know the heartbreak I've had. You don't know my kid's gone sideways. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. And Paul just says, buckle up and offer up with thanksgiving. We glory in our sufferings. Why? Because... We know that glorying in suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So this for Paul is beyond simple thanksgiving. Yes, let's start there. That's the on-ramp. But let's get up to speed with, with glorying with, with, uh, in, 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 in all of the things that happened to us because it's, it's an invitation into our hope. As, as again, we talked about this uh, earlier on this morning that, that is in God and God alone, not in any outcomes. We don't attach our hope to changing circumstances. We, we, we recognize that this world, no matter how wonderful our technology is, is not going to get better enough. Yeah, that we want to stay here when our home is somewhere else. We, we want to orient ourselves with this offering up of everything always. Here's the problem. We just have too short a horizon of meaning to know when bad things happen, whether they're really actually ultimately not useful down the line. Anybody have a bad thing happen that you rejoice in now? Some point back in your life, you hit the bottom and you bounce three or four times and you look back and think, oh my God, I am so grateful for that heartbreak. I'm so grateful for that bullet dodged. I'm so grateful for that moment. Don't you think that might be happening with what's going on now? You do have a God who has aligned the universe in love so much so that all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Nothing gets wasted except what you hang on to because then it's up to you to redeem. Good luck with that. But when we offer it up with thanksgiving, look at what he does with dirt. Y'all are cleaned up pretty well. (laughs) What might it look like if he takes the dirt of our disappointment, our heartache, our brokenness, and breathes into it by the breath of the Spirit? What might come to life in this Advent season of living in the tension between Christ's first coming and an awareness of Christ's second coming? At the very least, let's not waste our pain. Let's be clear. Sometimes we hurt 
because we're human and we live in a broken world. Yes, we're broken people in a broken world and stuff just happens. We want to pat ourselves on the back and say, everything happens for a purpose. I'm just here to tell you, no, it doesn't. Some stuff just happens because you're a human being in a broken world. Now, the beauty of what we're saying is if we can offer that up with Thanksgiving, there is a purpose going out that wasn't going in. There's a way of redeeming that disappointment as we offer it up. So some stuff just happens because we're broken people in a broken world. Sometimes some stuff just happens because we are being persecuted. Sometimes by people, but often by principalities and powers who have targeted us in limited ways because we're, um, we're, we're aligned with Jesus. This is why he told us in the world, you're going to have trouble. Don't, don't be surprised when not everybody speaks well of you. That sucks for the people pleasers among us. You know, and can we be really blunt? Sometimes bad stuff happens to us because we're stupid. (laughs) Just do dumb things. You know, anybody done something? Here are these two wires. I wonder what happens if, (laughs) you know, and we do that in all kinds of ways. And, and, but maybe not even you're stupid. Maybe somebody else is stupid has resulted in pain of your life. What are you going to do with that? Paul suggests, (laughs) well, don't, don't waste time analyzing it. Offer it up. Glory in even these sufferings because God is at work in all things for good. It's part of the way that God is being revealed, not only in us, but through us to the watching world because other people are experiencing the same things that you are experiencing. And when they discover you have an on-ramp to life through this season in the valley of the shadow of death, they want to get on. They want to hitchhike on your ride. They want to join you. This is Paul's language. Have a reason for the hope that lies in you, he says, or Paul, Peter says, rather. So as we go through here, we, we, we recognize, oh, wait, we, 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 we are not serving a conductor on a railroad with rails that run in a straight line towards destination. We are, we are disciples of a master sailor who knows how to harness any wind that blows to accomplish his purposes. Even contrary winds can be harnessed to outcome when you remember. So Thanksgiving allows us to hold up what has been and is honorable and sometimes hold up what has been that is challenging and difficult to push back against the mind-numbing tendency to take everything for granted that's part of our culture, to traipse along, not even noticing the glory leaking out everywhere, not noticing the wonder that bursts around us in every moment and in every person. Thanksgiving tunes up our awareness And this Advent season gives us that opportunity to orient, to reorient, to realign ourselves towards the goodness of God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.